life. I thought she would be perfect to talk about this, especially during one of the most stressful weeks of her year uh, that she's facing this week. Uh, but she can speak to this subject that that is stress that I think connects and relates to every every mom, every dad, every student, every age group that's in here. This passage that she's going to speak to from Psalm 23, um, I think will really encourage you. Melissa? Thanks. And I really tried not hard not to watch the video backstage. <laughs> I was trying so hard. But it just was impossible. And so my Kleenex has already been used. I don't think we're going to have to use it again today. But um, as Scott already said, in this transformation series, which is Rick Warren's, correct? <laughs> Um, so this message, the good news was I didn't have to write it the busiest week of my life. <laughs> I'm just giving it. But um, I do think it was very relevant timing for me to really consider stress and what God wants us to do with stress. Because this is, I have um, typically, I don't struggle with stress. But the older I've gotten and the more job titles I've gotten, at school, the rounder my middle has become, <laughs> since that's where we ladies carry our stress, is just right there. Um, the more I've recognized maybe stress is something that I have uh, more of than I think I do. And the, the title itself, Stress to Blessed, sounds like it's going to be a, a health and wealth gospel message. And I'm sorry if you came for that today, <laughs> because it's not what it is. Um, but it's taking the physical stress, that whole, you know, your, your hands are clenched and your shoulders are tight, that, that feeling that we have more often than we should. And um, I think I love this little cartoon that there are really only two times we're stressed though, right? Day and night. Um, constantly. But if we can deal with stress, this next week in your devotional, if you got the little booklet, the, uh, the whatever you're supposed to be working on this week, whatever that word is called, um, is your physical body. This is transformation in your physical body. So it seems like when I was studying this week, I'm like, stress. I mean, that's how is that transforming your physical body? Um, it's supposed to be, uh, you know, in my mind, this series, to, this message today was supposed to be about losing weight, which I am excited to say that I have done this since January. I made the mistake of asking for um, Juliet Montserrat's physical fitness class that meets three days a week, 5.30 in the morning, and I asked for that for Christmas. And the moment I got it, I was like, Oh, that was the dumbest thing I've ever asked for in my whole entire life. So, but I did it, and I've lost weight, um, and, I, and it is a way to manage stress. It's exercise and eating right. I'm sorry. If you want to know the miracle cure for how I lost weight, exercise and eating right, and it was not fun. So if you were looking for a fast way to lose weight, I don't think they exist, but... But stress, um, but that physical fitness starts with dealing with your stress because all the research says that disease is tied way too closely to stress. That if you're constantly in that strait of tension and stress, your body can't send out the hormones and all that stuff it's supposed to to, to fight off disease. And so the first step in a transformed body is dealing with stress. And Rick Warren lists these seven things he believes that lead us to stress. 
uh, worry uh, about everything. We all, I don't need to explain worry. We worry all the time. Hurry, that we're always got somewhere to go fast. And sometimes I catch myself at school walking so fast, I'm like, how rude is this? Is really what I have to do so fast that I need to knock everybody out of the way? To get it, sometimes we hurry. Crowds, that was something hard for me to get used to when I moved to California, especially in and out I used to really not like in and out because it was so stressful. The line is long and you're looking, is there going to be a chair when we're ready to eat? Well, you know, and you're, well, let's look, oh, send somebody over there. It was, used to be a stressful restaurant. Now, of course, as my child would agree, it's our one of our favorites, but crowds, uh, multiple choice, way too many options, loss of privacy, but some people I think really love it, you know, that they can tell you everything they've done all day and every condiment they put on their hamburger, they put on Facebook or... Um, pluralism, I think, is especially a source of stress, can be for us right here in North Natomas because we have so many languages and I want to say we're in the 90s now and I meant to look it up between services and I didn't, but the number of home languages in our school district is astronomical, which is super cool. And when I first started going to Walmart here, you're like, wow, this is a cultural experience. <laughs> and you're walking around and you're like, ah. and, and because everybody's so different. There's not a world. I was raised in a world where everyone looked like me, acted like me, thought exactly the same way as I thought, thought the same things were right and wrong. And that is not the world we're raised in. It's a pluralistic society, especially here, where we have people from all over the world, every culture, every race, every belief system. And I really think another, and this is a whole other sermon, that instead of viewing that as a source of stress, view it as a source for God to use you. I mean, the mission field is here. It's come to you. You don't have to go to an uncomfortable hut in Papua New Guinea to be on the mission field. It's right here. So that is super exciting, but it can be a source of stress for some people. And the fear of the future, I think we all worry about jobs and that. Those are what he says, seven sources of stress, and I'm sure you can list more. Things that stress you out, and you need to learn to deal with that stress. And um, I love the proverb that says, a heart at peace gives life to the body. So if you're interested in a transformation in your body, the first thing you're going to have to do is come up with a mind at peace. And that is by getting rid of your stress. Um, and one of my favorite quotes is John Milton. Um, and I, this is something I've always said since I learned it in high school, is the mind is its own place. And in itself can make a heaven of hell and a hell of heaven. doesn't matter where you're, what your situation is. If you want to make it hell, it can be hell. And if you want to make it heaven, you're mental, you're choosing that. And so today as we talk about the seven antidotes to stress, I want you to consider that a lot of times your stress is a choice. You're choosing to be stressed when God doesn't want you to be stressed. And I think the answer um, we're going to read today is in Psalm 23. And I know this is a psalm a lot of you have memorized. I, it was one of the first ones you memorized in church camp whenever you were younger. Uh, you probably had this memorized. So if you'll open uh, to Psalm 23, I'd love it if you followed along. Um, if you have an adventure Bible, it's page 383. And I forgot to ask, if anybody wants a Bible, if you raise your hand, we have ushers uh, somewhere back there that would love to give you one. But it's Psalm 23, page 383 in our adventure Bible. 
Um, and like I said, you will say this along with me if you don't have your Bible open. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right paths for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil, for you are with me, your rod and your staff. They comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. And if you walk through this psalm, there are these seven antidotes that we can consider when we're stressed out. And the first one um, is basically the whole message. So if you are about ready for your Sunday morning sermon nap, you can go to sleep in just a minute. I'm about to tell you what you need to know. Um, and that is trust God. The first antidote to stress is just to trust God. To trust God. And it sounds easy, and we all know it can be harder. But the more um, we feel like we're in charge and the less we trust God, the more stressed out we are because it is a big deal. If we're responsible for ourselves, it, there's a lot to be stressed out about. I have a friend that Scott talks about all the time in Lincoln who owns a, a new company that's emerging. He's getting more employees, and sometimes. He, the stress is very real for him that he's providing for 50, you know, 40 families. His employers, his employees, pardon me, he feels responsible as their provider. But really, he knows God is the provider. And the same is true in your home. Trust God in whatever it is because he is ultimately the provider. You you're, have a hand in it. He's using your talents and gifts that he gave you. But ultimately, God is responsible, and God will provide. He always does. Every time I've had some kind of a job, you know, I, I lose this responsibility, so I lose this income, you know, the next day, ah, oh, well, here it is, exactly replaced. Or it's, but you can just trust God. Every time we've needed a musician years ago, I was the worship person. Um, <laughs> And I'm glad it's Lauren, he does that. But it was me, and I, and I had to trust God because I couldn't play the piano, I couldn't play the guitar. So you're trusting God that when the musician you need, you need him, God provides him, and he always did. So I promise you, trust God. The first way to get rid of your stress is to trust God and no matter what the situation is. And there are some particulars. And the psalm says, I haven't read that verse, the Lord is my shepherd, I trust God. He's my leader, so I lack nothing. The second one is trust God's instruction about rest. And this is a, a difficult one for me because resting I don't do well at all, ever. I have to almost be sick to rest. In fact, several weeks ago, I was ill enough to stay home from school. I actually had a fever, and I was on the couch thinking, this is so nice. I can rest here with no guilt because I'm too sick to get up. It's just really nice. So Rick Warren would say, if you don't rest, then God might make you rest. As the psalm says, he makes me lie down in green pastures. He makes me lie down. Um, but I think we have to remember God really actually commanded us to rest. That is one of the commandments is that you'll keep the, uh, keep the Sabbath day, make it holy. And I think sometimes we think, eh, God didn't mean that anymore. Or we think, 
I'll rest on Saturday for my paid job. But on Saturday, I'm going to do all the mom stuff and work myself, my fingers to the bone. Because it has to get done. Who else is going to do it? You know, and you come up with all these reasons. That was one of my big reasons for not exercising. Well, if I exercise, then who's going to make dinner? You know, you're out running. And somebody has to take a, you know, think of the family. (laughs) Not that I would ever say that. But God does actually command us to rest. And, some of, and, and what I think is so profound about rest um, is when you rest, you're even more making the statement that you trust God. Because I'm not working on it right now. Whatever this big deadline is, and I knew I couldn't get up here today and say, rest, if I didn't rest yesterday, even though these are the two busiest weeks of my life. And I know she's going to hate me for this, but I'm going to do it anyway. Elena Quintero, down here on the front, is amazing. And she won't let me nominate her for an in factor. Couldn't have done it without you. But this, these two weeks, I'm, I'm senior project coordinator, which is community service for all of our seniors. And I am AP coordinator. And this is the first year they've ever happened at the same time. So I worked so hard this week, and she works hard. She has all, we have at least 10 kids. I mean, she gives hours to hundreds of kids, but there are always a handful that would not finish if she didn't make up things for them to do, okay? So it's, it's, the deadline is way past, and I still have kids that haven't finished, and they come to her, and she works on her day off, She works on her day off so they can have volunteer hours. She's amazing. I could not finish Senior Project with her. But this week, my two busiest weeks, I knew I had to rest because I can't say rest even when it's busy. Even when it's tax season, God still asks you to rest if I didn't rest. So I worked so hard this week, Scott and I yesterday rested. A couple times I wanted to get out my little list and at least write down what I have to do. And I'm like, no, I'm supposed to be resting. But I did, I, I confess, I did take my four pairs of shoes and my four jackets out of the kitchen, move them into my bedroom <laughs> yesterday. And so I did work a little bit. But I, it's intentional to rest. But when you rest, the profound thing is that you're, you recognize how much more dependent you are on God. That it's not in my hands. I'm resting. And I'm trusting that in my rest... God is working ahead of me and doing what needs to be done. And he does. But we have to rest. God asks us to rest for our stress. You have to rest so that your body can let all that go. Um, The third antidote to stress is to trust God to recharge my soul with beauty. And I think it's very intentional as the scripture says that um, consider the lily of the field for Solomon dressed in all of his royal robes doesn't have the wealth of this lily. That when you're in nature and you see this amazing beauty, you can't help but think the God that made that beauty, he's in charge of my life. He is the one handling everything. I can trust God because he created something we couldn't have even imagined. And it's amazing and it's beautiful. We don't even, you know, you see some things in nature that you think this is almost impossible. How does this even work? When you're in nature and you see this beauty, you're reminded 
wow, the God who made all of this beauty is the God who I can trust to be responsible for my life. So you need to uh, trust God to recharge your soul when you're out in nature. And here's a couple ways. And Elena can answer this question. How many parks... It is true that Natomas has the most parks per acre in the greater Sacramento area. Is that true? Yes. So there's plenty of places right here, probably 100 yards from your home, where you can go and take a walk, get in nature, and recharge. It's amazing. It's, it's hard to decide. Last night, Scott and I had trouble deciding where we were going to walk because there were so many options. Get outside every day. Uh, start the day with God, not the media. So if you're surrounding yourself with beauty, the antithesis of beauty is the nightly news. Okay? Sometimes I wonder how these people have a conscience. And if you're a news person in here, I apologize. But that your job is giving negative information all the time. It would wear on you, I would imagine. So don't surround yourself with the news and Twitter and all the horrible things. That is stressful. Don't do it. Surround yourself with beauty instead. And intentionally put beauty around you. Maybe it's a pretty picture in your office. Maybe it's always fun when you get a new journal. You know, that's some of the fun is going to pick out a really pretty one whenever you're done with it. So uh, physically, surround yourself with beauty. It's a reminder that God is a God you can trust and that he'll recharge your soul with beauty. Um, and speaking of the news, the passage in Philippians, I know you've heard. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think on these things i.e., not the news. Or not anything negative, especially negative things you can't do anything about. So to keep like next door, on the one hand, the new little app next door is really cool. But if you're the person that looks at next door, I don't know, it's a social media app that you can sign up for and let you know all the stuff really with your neighbors. So it's like a very personalized Facebook, and it's cool unless you're looking and saying, somebody broke in there, and oh no, it's terrible, and the world is falling apart. How could this be happening in my neighborhood? If that's you, don't check next door. Okay, don't do it. But if don't think about negative things, and your stress will be easier to deal with. So that is another antidote. Trust God to recharge my soul with beauty. And some of that is choosing to surround yourself with nature, to stay away from things that are ugly. Uh, the fourth antidote for stress is to trust God for guidance. And this is sometimes easier said than done, but you really need to pray. The verse in James says, and I'm forgetting to read the, um, uh, the psalm. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me besides quiet waters. So he's leading you, and there, uh, James says, if any of you lacks wisdom, he should ask God, who gives generously to all without finding fault, and he'll give you wisdom. You need to ask for it. Some of you try to make all these decisions without asking God for wisdom and without asking other people who God may have put close to you that can give you guidance. This week, I did one of those things that I think you feel so stupid <laughs> when you're done, but I had this... One little girl, uh, we, everybody has to have an individual AP number. And all the tests they take, they use this number. And so this one little girl, I had, couldn't find her booklet. 
And I looked and I looked and I looked and I had other people look. And right before she's submitting her art portfolio, she comes to me and she says, um, do you want me to go ahead and submit this or should I use a different number? And I'm like, oh, just go ahead and submit it, thinking I'll just make sure no one else has that number. Well, so five minutes later after she leaves, I'm like, duh, just give her a new number. I had 30 more in the drawer, but I have spent hours and hours looking for this number. And if I just asked for a little guidance, what do you think I should do about this, Ms. Pedersen? She would have said the two, you know, hours before I'd kept looking for it, just give her a new number. I'm like, wow. <laughs> Such a simple solution I would never have come up with on my own. So just ask for guidance. Ask God, ask other people around you. That's the fourth antidote for stress is asking God, trusting God for guidance. The fifth one is to trust God in dark valleys. The passage says, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I'll fear no evil. And first thing about a shadow is we all know shadows are what? Like ten times bigger than the thing that's making the shadow. Trust God in the shadows because, first of all, the thing making the shadow is not nearly as scary as you think it is. Trust God in the shadows. Um, the year I taught um, my first year teaching with, with a whole different culture of student because I was raised in the sit down, shut up, or I'll paddle you. It's right here era. And the world is not that way anymore. So I was teaching ninth grade, which to me, ninth grade is the hardest, except for maybe elementary kindergarten but um, I taught ninth grade and new generation of students and I was a first-year teacher even though I was older it was still my first year in the in the classroom and they tell you act like you're in charge and you're like I'm trying to act like I'm in charge but if you don't feel like you're in charge how do you act like you're in charge so and I had this one student who was scary and he intentionally tried to intimidate me and he was very successful, I might add. I mean, he was so scary that, like, if I said, come by at lunch or uh, come see me after school, I would actually have him meet me in the hall so we could stand in front of the camera so the camera would get the whole interaction in case he hurt me. So, and now, as, as whatever, Providence would have it, I see this kid all the time now. So this is 11 years ago. And so now I see this student several times a year. And I just saw him maybe two weeks ago, a week ago. And he said, and other students happened to be there. It was like four of my former students were all together. And he says, tell him, Mrs. Matthews, tell him I was your favorite. <laughs> and I'm like, wow, talk about the grace of God. Because he was a dark valley for me. I seriously had chest pains every Friday. And it was all I could do to get home and get on the couch and like literally pass out. And yet he walked away from my dark valley believing he was my favorite student. And that is the grace of God. So trust God in the valley. He is working. Even if it feels dark to you, he is working. There is light. There, good is going to come out of it. Um, the next... Um, what are they called? Antidotes. <laughs> That's where we are. The next antidote to stress is to trust God to be your defender. And I know 
um, the job I'm in, it's not all about competition. But I know some of you are in jobs that it is all about competition. You're competing clearly with the person in the next cubicle for the better position in the raise. And that can be stressful, especially if people gossip or say things about you or it's a group project and you did all the work and they get all the credit. And so you're kind of, and you can be stressed out that they're going to get the promotion and you're not. Or stressed out that they're going to get the accolade or the boss is going to like them more. And the truth is God is your defender. In the end, it will come out, I promise you, it will come out that you are doing the right thing. Um, I had this one, this one teacher that teaches on the other side of the hall from me. And when I first started working there, I knew he didn't like me for lots of different reasons. Some too, um, we shouldn't talk about at school, but there are reasons he didn't like me. And I knew this. So we were at a, a gathering after school, um, like at a, we were at Bella Brew, I'm pretty sure. And we're sitting there and I tell some story, and he says, you know, Melissa, that's one of the three reasons I hate you. And I just laughed, and I said, what are the other two? And he, he of course, was like, well, he didn't really answer, but I knew that even though he hated me, it didn't matter. My job was to like him and to, and to show him the love of Christ and let God take care of the rest. And what's interesting is now we're friends. Like he bought me, here, do you want my coffee card? I'm never going to use this. I mean, now he like actively does things for me. And I think to myself, you know, he probably now might even say he never said that, but he did. <laughs> he said it. But trust God to be your defender no matter what the circumstance is. You keep trusting God. You keep doing the right thing and God will be your defender. And uh, the last one is to trust God to finish what he starts in me. And I remember um, consciously choosing that I wasn't going to be a worrier or a stressed out person whenever I was just a little kid. Can you put that picture up? So this is my neighborhood uh, when I was growing up. And this is my house on the left, and this was the empty field that all of the activity happened in. That's where we played ball every day. That's where we built... You know, when it snowed for two days out of the winter, that's where we built the snow igloo and all that kind of stuff. This is where it happened. And, and I, my oldest, not my oldest brother, one of my brothers, um, had, they both had ball gloves, obviously, but I didn't because I was a girl. And so when we would play baseball here, I would just go borrow his baseball glove. And, of course, I never ask because he'll never know. And so I borrowed his baseball glove, and one day I left it outside because kids just do that, right? I'm eight. Who cares? It's not my ball glove. <laughs> so I leave it outside. I, day passes, get in bed that night, and before I go to sleep, and I, it was dark, so if it's summertime, what? It had to be 9.30 or so. It seemed like it was like midnight, but I'm in bed, and all of a sudden I remember that baseball glove is outside, which wouldn't be a problem, except it had been a really long time since the bush hog guy had been there. And I don't know if you know what a bush hog is, but it's this big tractor, this mowing attachment that goes on the back of a tractor, and it just rips up anything in its way. Small trees, it doesn't matter. Anything in the way of the bush hog is, doesn't exist anymore. And I'm like... <gasps> The bush hog hasn't been there in a while. I think the bush hog is coming tomorrow. 
and that baseball glove is out there. Oh, no. I'm in so much trouble. So I go to the window, the bathroom window that looks out on the field, and I'm like, well, it's too late to go out there. And now I'm like, what? I would have walked, you know, 20 yards to get it, but ooh, it was too late and dangerous in my little neighborhood to go outside and get it. (laughs) So I'm like, so I consciously at that moment decided I am not going to let worry be something that I do because I remember the memory verse. Don't be anxious about anything, but in everything with prayer and thanksgiving, present your request to God and the peace of God which transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. And like if the Bible says it, it's true. I'm choosing right now not to worry. I'm not going to worry because who by worrying can add a single hour to his life? Anybody? No. So at that moment, I decided I'm not going to worry. And I'm also, so now, as an adult, I'm trusting that God is going to take that same decision that I made then and carry it out into all these other areas that it's so easy now that they're adult things to say, well, now I am going to worry about this and stress about that. But God asks us to trust him. Trust him. And the way this psalm ends... Surely goodness, and it's not a question. It's not surely goodness and mercy will follow me. It's surely, absolutely, goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. If you're someone who trusts God, goodness and mercy will follow you all the days of your life. It might not right now seem like it, but trust God that surely goodness and mercy will follow you all the days of your life. And I have to tell this story. Um, and then we'll pray and we'll be done. But my, uh, I'm from Arkansas, if you're new here and don't know the accent. I'm from Arkansas, and my granddad was a farmer. And he was a farmer with, he had five brothers. He was the farm foreman because he was the oldest. But he actually uh, had a very difficult time in his family because he was um, not, um, he was born out of wedlock, let's say that conceived out of wedlock, so his family always, that was a point of negativity for him. But he was the farm foreman, and he bore all the responsibility, and his brothers didn't like him, and of course you hear all this from Mamaw talking, and, and um, he was the first person in his family to decide they were going to be Christians, and they were going to serve. So every Sunday, he took his family to church, even though his Brothers gave him a hard time. He took his family to church even during harvest season. And I don't know if you know anything about farming, but your whole income as a farmer happens in two weeks. If something goes wrong with the harvest, you've lost your whole entire financial income for the year. And he didn't care that they gave him a hard time about it. He didn't care that it was the harvest. It was... Most important that his family trusted God. That was the most important thing. So he took his family with all the tension from the brothers. They went to church every Sunday. And what is one moment that I love, my uh, cousin love, uh, right before my granddad died, and we got to be there because he died kind of in the slow process of leaving his body. And uh, joy, uh, joy, that's my niece, love, 
my niece Love sat down with him. And he said to Love, tell me, Love, what's the count? And she's like, what count? He's like, what preachers, how many preachers do we have now in the family? Because for him, trusting God was way more important than the financial income of his family. That was what he focused on. And all of us, especially as mothers, sometimes I think we get so caught up in worldly things. As a mother, we think our kid needs to be this and that and the other thing. And the most important thing your kid can be is someone who trusts in God. When, the, when all the cards have been played and all the college acceptance letters have come and all the big careers and the money and all that stuff, the most important thing you can give to your child is trusting in God. Because physical transformation, because that's a part of it. But it's that surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. That's what we all want for our kids. That's what we all want for ourselves. So we're going to pray today, and maybe you're a person that never has yet for the first time trusted in God. You're here and you're like, oh, that's all fine and dandy, but you've never said, I trust God. Uh, if God is going to, if we can trust him to take care of us, there's a passage In Romans it says, he who did not spare his own son, will he not give us everything we need? And maybe yet you've never said, I trust God and I believe that Jesus died for my sins. You've never experienced that moment. Even I was a little girl when I accepted Christ as my Savior. And I remember vividly the relief that I felt by confessing and believing in Christ. I, I just, it was like a moment where you get rid of that burden. And that might be what's stressing you the most right now is sin in your life. So we're going to pray. And if you've never made that decision, this is, you're going to have a chance, okay? So let's pray together. Uh, dear Heavenly Father, I thank you so much that in the Psalms 